When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central simpler communications play fantasy today's episode is brought to you by flex fantasy and they want me to relay a message to you that they have cracked open the game of fantasy football to all when you sign up for a free account and download the flex fantasy app you can import all your teams from all your leagues across multiple platforms that you play on Spice up your fantasy playing experience by challenging league mates or strangers off the street to a fantasy matchup no matter how or where they play. And put your money where your mouth is by placing a wager on your head-to-head matchup. It doesn't matter if you are on Yahoo and your opponent is on Sleeper. You can import your teams to Flex Fantasy to face off. You can even make wagers on who you think will win between other challenges besides your own. So sign up for a free account and download the app to try it out at flex.fan. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Welcome into the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Thanks for tuning in live on our YouTube channel. Make sure you subscribe. Catch out our content whenever it becomes live for you guys. And check us out on bellyup.tv. If you find us on demand, that would be great. Download us on the Foxy Network app on your Fire TV, Roku, Samsung, or LG devices, or just download the show on the go and download us on your favorite podcast app to give us a five-star review. It greatly helps us out and we'll be able to do better for you. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater, joined here with nobody because it's Sunday night, baby. It's Sunday night. We preview this uh, Sunday night to play on Monday at 10 p.m. Eastern. That's why it's Monday through Friday at 10 p.m. Eastern. Make sure you guys are putting that in your little calendars there. It is Halloween, and that's why I'm in my doctor, my MD's outfit here, to figure out exactly what we learned from these games. It is a Sunday fun day recap for week eight, and that's the most important thing. We have to take the lessons with us, what we learned from these games moving forward to the future and how we can get better. This The, the postseason is coming up. We have to be able to get prepared. And that's what this, these episodes are, frankly, all about. But let's go ahead and dive right into it because we always have a lot of content with these episodes. So let's get into our thumpers and bummers of the week. Quarterback thumpers. This is Sparta! First and foremost... We got Justin Fields coming in at our number three quarterback thumper of the week. 151 yards, two touchdowns through the air, 60 yards on the ground, and, of course, a rushing touchdown. I talked about this last week. I said, hey, look, Justin Fields, if he keeps showing improvement as a passing quarterback where he starts to see more than just one read down the field, 
we might be onto something from a fantasy standpoint, even against tough defenses. And that's what he showed against the Dallas Cowboys here today. So it was good to see Justin Fields getting in there on the thumper radar. But our number two thumper had to be Jalen Hurts, 285 yards of the air, four passing touchdowns. Didn't even have to do much on the ground in order to be the guy that we wanted him to be, which is a top three quarterback every single week. And number one, Tua Tagalovoa, 382 yards of the air, three touchdowns, absolutely terrific against the Detroit Lions. You know, I had some concerns I brought up during the week. Hey, what happens if they just want to get the ball out of his hands as quickly as possible? No longer want to take deep shots with Tua and just rely on the yards after the catch out of the wide receivers since they have the ability to do that. I was a little bit concerned, not drastically concerned. I still had him ranked inside my top six, as we'll find out later on in the Heroes and Zeros in tomorrow night's episode during the primetime recap at 10 p.m. Eastern on our YouTube channel. But that obviously was not a concern as far as him being able to check the ball down, not taking deep shots, not being explosive. That was not the hindrance for this Miami Dolphin offense. And that's why two attack of the are number one quarterback thumper on the week. Quarterback bummers. Oh, it got disgusting for Kenny Pickett. Not that that was surprising, but 191 yards, one reception, 37 yards on the ground. He looked completely, 100%, utterly overmatched against the Philadelphia Eagles defense. It didn't even look like he belonged. It looked like they never had a chance right from the get-go. And that's the problem with a rookie quarterback when you're trying to figure out, okay, what are you exactly so we know what to move forward with in the future? And right now, Kenny Pickett is showing you a guy that, frankly, is not good enough to be elite defenses right now. Our number two bummer on the week, Trevor Lawrence. Again, for us at, M- at MD Nation, this wasn't a surprise. I had Trevor Lawrence ranked as my 30th quarterback coming into the week, my last starting quarterback. That's why I had Trevor Lawrence ranked because I was not expecting a good game against the Denver Broncos here with the way they've been playing as of late. 133 yards through the air. Did pick up a touchdown, but two picks did not provide much on the ground. I still think there's games in which Trevor Lawrence can be stream worthy, but right now he is nowhere on that radar. What about our number one bummer of the week? Derek Carr, 101 yards. That's right. Only 101 yards through the air. One reception, zero touchdowns, and what wound up being a blowout, shutout loss between the Saints and the Las Vegas Raiders. We'll talk more about that later, of course. But that's why Derek Carr comes in as the number one bummer at the quarterback position. Running back thumpers. This is Sparta! Oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. It was juicy at the running back position this week. Derrick Henry is our number three thumper. Number three thumper. He had 219 yards on the ground and two rushing touchdowns, and he was only our number three thumper at the running back position this week during the Sunday Funday recap, which is the Thursday night and Sunday afternoon games included Because Christian McCaffrey, he can run, he can catch, and he can throw. McCaffrey goes for the cycle. He bats for the cycle. He goes for the trifecta. He gets a passing touchdown, a rushing touchdown, and a receiving touchdown all in this game while tacking on 94 yards on the ground, 62 yards to the air, and 34 yards through the air. That's what Christian McCaffrey was dealing with today. That's how great he was, and that's why he's our number two thumper on the week. But our number one thumper at the running back position in a week in which was a lot of great guys to go with. We decided to go with Alvin Kamara, 63 yards on the ground, a rushing touchdown, 10 targets, 9 receptions, 96 yards, 2 touchdowns through the air. Kamara rallied the troops around him this week, giving a big speech, and he was the guy to lead the way with his action. He was absolutely fantastic, and that's why he's our number one thumper of the week. Running back bummers. 
Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. Josh Jacobs, unfortunately, has to come in at our number three bummer at the running back position. He's been absolutely fantastic up until this point, but against the Saints, they suddenly showed up at home. He only gets 43 yards on the ground, only four targets, only two receptions, only 11 yards. The only silver lining I can offer you with Josh Jacobs is not like Josh McDaniels got anybody else involved. It was just a bad, bad, bad day for this Raiders offense across the board. Nothing could be helped. And it's one of those you just have to chalk up into and say, hey, what are you going to do? But Josh Jacobs is our number three running back bummer of the week. What about our number two bummer? That was Jonathan Taylor. 76 yards on the ground and picks up a fumble. Did nothing through the air. Even got banged up a little bit at one point in this game. Sam Ellinger as the starting quarterback didn't wind up doing him many favors against the Washington Commanders. And Jonathan Taylor yet again just continues to disappoint furthering himself down the buy low radar. But Jonathan Taylor, our number two bummer of the week. And our number one bummer, Darrell Henderson, 16 yards on the ground, two targets, two receptions, and only 14 yards of the air. That's it. There's no Cam Akers. There's still no Kyron Williams as of yet. And yet Darrell Williams comes in and winds up having a split workload with Ronnie Rivers and Malcolm Brown and a bunch of other bums that Sean McVay decided to throw out there. If Darrell Henderson's not good enough to get the ball against these guys, he's not good enough to get the ball against anybody. And that's why Darrell Henderson is our number one bummer at the running back position. Wide receiver thumpers. This is Sparta! Oh, man. Oh, man. It got juicy at the wide receiver position just almost just as much, I should say, as the running back position. Our number three thumper of the week, Tyreek Hill, 14 targets, 12 receptions, 188 yards. He's been a volume monster. He's delivered almost every single week. It's absolutely been insane, no matter who the quarterback has been for the Miami Dolphins. And that's why he's fantastic at our number three thumper on the week. But DeAndre Hopkins, two weeks in a row now, he's been on the list. 13 targets, 12 receptions, 159 yards with a pass, with a receiving touchdown, I should say. DeAndre Hopkins is dominating the way he's come back off the suspension. Looks like he hasn't even missed a beat out there. He's by far head and shoulders the number one guy to go to. And that's why DeAndre Hopkins is lighting up the scoreboard. And if you waited for him to come off suspension, you've been rewarded as such. What about our number one thumper of the week at the wide receiver position? Oh yeah, that's right. That would be AJ Brown at 11 targets, six receptions, 156 yards and three receiving touchdowns. It actually killed me. I'm sitting there. I watched these games with my buddies on Sunday and the Second touchdown and the third touchdown, they look like they were a replay of each other. He caught it between the same two defenders on both scores. Absolutely would not be denied. A.J. Brown finally having a signature big A.J. Brown game as a Philadelphia Eagle. And that's why he comes in as our number one wide receiver thumper on the week. Wide receiver bummers. Uh, stunk. This stunk to high heaven, man. But Wandale Robinson, three targets, two receptions, 15 yards after he finally got into my top 36 as a flex wide receiver, three guy against the Seattle Seahawks, which was supposed to be a plus matchup, especially for the slot wide receiver, just did not want to be in the case. And Wandale Robinson greatly disappointed in this matchup and comes in as our number three bummer at the wide receiver position. During the Sunday Funday recap. But what about our number two guy? Oh, it got worse. Cortland Sutton, four targets, one catch, 13 yards. After being so consistent the first six weeks of the season, the last two weeks, Cortland Sutton has left a lot to be desired. It has not mattered whether it was Brett Ripon or Russell Wilson. Now he's got two badly bust games with two different quarterbacks. Cortland Sutton's a very good receiver. The ship should right itself at some point this year. But man, oh man, it does not leave you with a good feeling in your stomach. What about our number one 
bummer, though, at the wide receiver position. That is Devontae Adams. Comes in at five targets, one catch, and three yards. Three. Adams did anything but, like, you know, borderline goose egg people. I mean, this was atrocious across the board. How does a guy like Devontae Adams come in with this kind of a stat line with no Marshawn Lattimore on the New Orleans Saints side? A game script in which favored having a passing attack for the Raiders and nothing borderline nothing to be able to show for it wide room tight end thumpers this is Sparta! for the first time all season and finally kyle pitts comes in as our number three tight end thumper of the week he's not on our bummer list for once it's a freaking miracle kyle pitts eight targets five catches 80 yards and a receiving touchdown comes through in a big way. Finally, Marcus Mariota actually goes over 20 pass attempts as that seems to be the magical number for this offense to begin with. And instead of it being Drake London, who was leading the way as the lead targeted guy, it was Kyle Pitts, baby. Finally doing what you need him to do. The sad part is I think a lot of people probably benched Kyle Pitts. I know I had him ranked outside the top 12 along with a number of other ECR rankers. It had been so bad. How could you trust them? So if you actually start them, my hat's off to you. If you did it, look, you can't blame yourself for things like this. But our number two and number one thumpers both are guys that likely were not played at the position. That comes in Isaiah likely. Seven targets, six catches, 77 yards, and a touchdown. Came in for an injured Mark Andrews who hurt his shoulder during the game. Had to get knocked out early on. Isaiah likely came in and he absolutely dominated as a pass catcher. Something to watch if Mark Andrews, in fact, has to wind up missing any time whatsoever. What about Tyler Conklin, though? 10 targets, 6 catches, 79 yards, and 2 touchdowns. Oh, man, oh, man. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. I know this is reflective of some of the games he had earlier on in the season. I would advise you not to get overly excited. But for now, if you did have to play him because you had no other choice or whatever the case may be, Tyler Conklin came in with a huge day at the tight end position. Tight end bummers. Woof, this was rough. Kate Otten, look, there was no Cameron Brait. There was no Kyle Rudolph. Kate Otten had been showing himself as potentially not only being a tight end to be reckoned with, but a tight end who could be the third pass catcher with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who had plenty of volume to boot, and that just did not work out this week around. He had five targets, two catches, 15 yards. Incredibly disappointing for a guy like Kate Otten, who I was trying to call a bit of a shot on heading into the week. The number two bummer of the week, of course, is Mark Andrews. Now, we can't totally hold it against him as he did get injured, but five targets, three catches, 33 yards. And the reason really why he becomes a bummer, even though he was injured in this game, and that, of course, is a contributing factor, the reason I bring him as a bummer is because it's two weeks in a row that he absolutely dudded out with the performance that you need from a Mark Andrews in order to win games because of where you drafted him back in August. But what about our number one bummer of the week? That would be Tyler Higby. Six targets, two receptions, 15 yards. The targets are nothing to sneeze at. Six targets for a tight end is still an okay mark. And the whole reason why I had him ranked inside the top 10 is because he's been a guy who's been a top five targeted tight end so far this season. We weren't sure how that may or may not change coming out of the bye, but the fact is this, Tyler Higby was incredibly disappointing for this 
matchup. But that does it for our thumpers and bummers of the week. So what I want to do right now, let's take a quick break. When we come back on the other side, we got our insights of the games to talk about for the Thursday night and Sunday afternoon recaps. Everybody stay tuned to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. We'll be back right after this. Football is back, baby. And our new sponsor, True Classic, wants you to look and feel your best even after a couple of brewskis or going full force on your fantasy football draft. Sure, it's football season, but it's also butt to couch season. Luckily, True Classic has the absolute best fitting clothing a man can buy. Snug in the arms and chest with a little extra space in the torso, their t-shirts are designed to keep you cozy and highlight your best assets no matter what you're up to. So if your special someone is upset that you're watching football all day, at least you can look good doing it. True Classic has already helped over 2 million men find a perfect fit at an affordable price. Our listeners get access to the best deal they offer. For a limited time only, get 25% off with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at trueclassic.com. Almost all men's t-shirts are designed to look good on skinny models with six-packs, but most of us aren't packing anything but a few beers. Fellas, you are wearing the wrong clothes. True Classic tees taper off towards the bottom, but they fit tighter around the chest and shoulders. It's time to highlight your best attributes with a t-shirt you can always confidently throw on. It's about time to get your fit together, so upgrade your wardrobe with True Classic and get 25% off at trueclassic.com with promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. Free shipping included on purchases over $100. That's 25% off at trueclassic.com with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. If there's one bet you should make this football season, it's on True Classic. True Classic, look good, feel good. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Welcome back into the MD's Fantasy Football Show. I have my Halloween MD doctor suit all suited up here. Because we have to go back into the lab and figure out exactly what it is we learned from week eight. So we know what to take with us moving forward to try to continue to get better as we get closer and closer to the fantasy football playoffs officially on the other side of the halfway mark. So let's go ahead and get into our insights of the game this week for the Thursday night and Sunday afternoon recap. If we could only find the drop. <laughs> you know what? I don't know if I could find it. It actually, you know what? It got deleted. No, I take that back. Here it is. I know, I know, I know. What do we know? What do we know about the games that we had to cover today? Well, starting with the Thursday night game with the Tampa Bay Bucks and the Baltimore Ravens, the Ravens on the road in Tampa Bay, Lamar Jackson was better, and that was without weapons. Mark Andrews got hurt early on in this game. Rashad Bateman got hurt during this game as well, or should I say re-aggravated. So he didn't have Bateman. He didn't have his top receiver. He didn't have his top tight end, who is one of his top passing catching options to begin with. Instead, he had a make two with Isaiah Likely and Demarcus Robinson, a quarterback who had been struggling up until this point. But he turns into 238 yard, two touchdown and 43 yards on the ground type of performance. You'll live with that with Lamar Jackson. It's over 20 fantasy points for you. And we know that's close to his floor. Then his ceiling, not much more to really take out of that other than we hope Mark Andrews and Rashad Bateman can get officially and definitely healthy by the time they suit up again next week. And that's been the biggest issue is that, look, Bateman, Andrews, they seemingly the last couple of weeks have been trying to play through injuries that perhaps they should not have. So we'll watch that as they get kind of a mini buy this upcoming week. But on Tampa's side of the ball, look, Tom Brady was... Okay, he wasn't terrible. He's definitely an improvement over what he had been over the past couple of weeks because he did go for 325 yards of the air. He did get a touchdown. He didn't turn over the ball. So ultimately, when you put all that together, it's a okay, solid floor streaming quarterback worthy 
tight end performance, even if it's not the tight end performance you're hoping for against the Baltimore Ravens and looking for a bounce back. How the divorce will affect Tom Brady remains to be seen, and it'll be anybody's guess, and I'm sure we'll be talking about it during next week's group of shows on the Look Ahead or Clairvoyant or Cashing Friday of the Bunch at 10 p.m. Eastern on our YouTube channel. Make sure you subscribe, but look, it's one thing to be awful. Tom Brady, at least in this case, was not awful. The wide receivers, though, they're target monsters, man. I mean, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, they both walk away with 11 targets apiece after being double-digit targeted over the past couple of weeks. Two, Mike Evans had a nice game here. Six catches, 123 yards. Doesn't score, but Chris Godwin also gets six catches for 75 yards. You will take that 11-target volume, the double-digit target volume that they have been seeing over the past couple of weeks, seven days a week. And what they can do with it is up to them, but you will take that volume all day, every day. And, of course, Leonard Fournette, look, it wasn't a good day, but he at least at least he was able to salvage his performance with a touchdown on the ground, but only 24 yards on the ground and then only 34 yards through the air on three targets and three receptions. Rashad White had just as many catches, just as many targets, maybe less than half of the carries here. Rashad White started to cut in more and more, and Leonard Fournette has been dwindling as the Tampa Bay offense, frankly, has been dwindling. So something to watch moving forward, but right now not moving the needle on anybody one direction or another. Hey, we did have a London game this week between the Denver Broncos and the Jacksonville Jaguars, and I'll be fully upfront with this. Look, I was rooting for the Jacksonville Jaguars in this game. My hope was that they would win and Nathaniel Hackett would get fired because ultimately, long-term, that's what has to happen for the Denver Broncos. And I will not apologize, nor will I back off of that take in any capacity, even with the Broncos coming away with a win in this matchup. It was a committee approach between Latavius Murray and Melvin Gordon. Some people asking, okay, with Mike Boone out of the way, does Gordon just dominate the pass-catching work? And to some degree, he did. Four targets, three catches, 23 yards, while Latavius Murray only had two targets and a catch for 13 yards. But Murray wound up being the closer. This game was in hand late for the Denver Broncos that came away with the interception. And what did they decide to do? Well, they decided that Latavius Murray needed to be the guy. Both had rushing touchdowns, and that's the good news. My advice would be this. Try to sell on Melvin Gordon while he at least has a pulse to somebody, try to sell him while you can because, frankly, he's not a guy that you're ever going to be excited to play as long as Latavius Murray is at least healthy. But what about Greg Dolchich? He was actually solid in this game, and for the second week in a row, he was probably the most dependable pass catcher the Denver Broncos, frankly, had to offer. Five targets, four catches, 87 yards. He keeps working his way up in that tight end streaming list, and he is officially there for me. So great dolchance, somebody to keep your eyes out on. And then last but not least, my note is the wide receivers. Jerry Judy was good. Six catches, 63 yards, a touchdown on seven targets. Can't really complain with that kind of production when you're sitting there and watching Russell Wilson just put up dud after dud after dud. What you can complain about, though, is Cortland Sutton. Four targets, one catch, 13 yards after the first six weeks of the season, being the most consistent weapon, not just pass catcher, but weapon the Denver Broncos even had to offer. And yet now we find ourselves back here with Cortland Sutton trying to find his way back at the box score fantasy football graces. And I don't know when that chain comes because, frankly, I don't know what to expect out of the Denver Bronco offense any given week right now. And that is a major part of the problem when we're trying to dissect this from a fantasy football standpoint. Does it get easier with the Jacksonville Jaguars? Well, you know what? It does get easier when we're talking about the question in reference to Travis Etienne. 24 carries, 156 yards, and a rushing touchdown. Not to mention tax on three receptions, only for six yards and three targets. But hey, if you're in PPR, that's three extra points you're able to tack on to your totals. This was impressive. Denver's Broncos, their, their, their defense, they've been stifling a lot of run teams and stifling a, really a lot of teams from being able to score in general. And Jacksonville decided, you know what? We're not going to play afraid. We're going to run the ball right at you. Yeah, yes, ultimately, they wound up losing this game. But look, 
Travis Etienne was uber effective, and they were in it all the way to the end as a result. So look for the Jacksonville Jaguars to potentially make more moves like that. And honestly, they would have won the game had Trevor Lawrence not been so freaking terrible. 18 of 31, 133 yards, picks up a touchdown, but two interceptions. It just was not a good day for Trevor Lawrence. Not that we expected it to be against the Denver Broncos to begin with, but to be the reason your team lost is just, oh, it's just never really, frankly, a good look. Okay, let's talk about some of these Sunday afternoon games. Let's kick it off with the Battle of Pennsylvania with the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Philadelphia Eagles. On the Pittsburgh side, look, I talked about it a little bit during the Thumpers and Bummers, but I will reiterate it here. Kenny Pickett flat out is not good. When they play an elite defense, it really, really shows. And yes, elite defenses are good for a reason. There's absolutely no doubt about that. But you also want to see some progression, some ability to be able to go up against the best defenses in the NFL and have something to show for it. And you know what? Kenny Pickett looked completely and utterly overmatched this entire game. He had sacked six times. He had an interception. Didn't even get the 200 yards passing in a game in which the Steelers were trailing the entire the entire game for three, for three quarters at least they were trailing and he could not get the job done. And look, I, I had hoped, you know, he had been favoring George Pickens and then George Pickens, what does he do? Oh, that's right. He winds up goose egging everybody. Deontay Johnson was, he had his normal stat line, nine targets, quite cool, but only five catches, 35 yards. Who cares? Chase Claypool has hit normal, you know, box score, four catches, 45 yards. Pat Freermuth for the second week in a row. He led the way amongst the pass catchers. That in and of itself might be an interesting note to keep tags on. But look, the Pittsburgh Steelers will be on a bye next week. We'll see if they're able to get anything figured out. Hey, the other thing real quick before we leave the Steelers, though, Jalen Warren, so he had six carries for 50 yards. Obviously, that's a great total, 8.3 yards a carry. He also had three catches for 25 yards. Now, he wound up having less volume, of course, than Najee Harris, but he did work his way into the point where you have to start to question, is this truly going to be a committee rolling forward? I mean, while Harris, yes, he had six targets compared to Jalen Warren's three. He had you know, eight carries compared to Jalen Warren's six. This seems to be turning more and more to a committee approach, and Warren has looked like the better, more explosive back to this point in the season. Whether that's due to Najee Harris being banged up or not, that's neither here nor there. The fact is, he's not doing what you drafted him to be. So something to keep in mind if you have Najee Harris on your roster still and you're trying to figure out what in the heck to be able to do with the guy. But on the flip side of the ball, we go to Philadelphia Eagles. And, uh, well, Jalen Hurts, he lit it up with A.J. Brown, of course. So while he's talked about uh, Hurts and Brown during the thumper section because they were both absolutely terrific, Dallas Goddard got in on the action, too. Six targets, six catches, 64 yards. The guy that's kind of left out was Devonta Smith. Only had five catches for 23 yards. But I will, will throw this caveat out there. He still had eight targets. So while A.J. Brown had his big dominant game, he had 11 targets compared to Devonta Smith's eight, which means there could have been room for both of these guys to go ahead and go off and eat. And that's the whole point of the Philadelphia Eagles right now. You're playing all their fantasy true assets. Their fantasy true assets are Jalen Hurts, their Miles Sanders, their Devonta Smith, their A.J. Brown, their Dallas Goddard. And because they have their volume so consolidated and focused on those starters, you can start them every week with uber confidence, I believe, at least for the floor. But let's dive into our next matchup. So we got the Arizona Cardinals and the Minnesota Vikings. Hey, look, Kyler Murray actually looked like he actually was a, was a true QE1 finally this week. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar, 
or pie made with fresh cosmic crisp apples. There are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays, and Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Choose from a great selection of digital coupons and use them up to five times in one transaction. Check our app for details. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Had my doubts considering Call of Duty had just come out. Wasn't sure what kind of Kyler Murray we we're going to get, but while they lost this game, he was still pretty okay. 326 yards through the air, three touchdowns, two interceptions, tacks on 36 yards on the ground. Kyler Murray gave you the type of fantasy football performance that, frankly, you're looking for when you drafted a guy like this. So no complaints here whatsoever. In the absence of James Conner, it was, for the most part, Eno Benjamin again, nine carries, 22 yards, because he was so efficient, inefficient, I should say. Darrell Williams had a decent role in this one, getting five carries compared to Eno Benjamin's nine. Now, I will say this, he had eight yards, which is even worse than the yards per carry average Eno Benjamin was able to put up. But what it does tell us is that James Conner is the only true workhorse back that Kiff Klingsbury is willing to stick with in any given situation. And we already talked about DeAndre Hopkins lighting up the way. Why don't we talk about a little bit in this segment with Rondale Moore? So he has eight catches. I'm sorry, eight targets, seven catches, 92 yards. He picks up a receiving touchdown at that. Coming off a week, everybody, you know, nobody knew what to do. He only had one catch for 31 yards against the New Orleans Saints. It was an absolutely terrible offensive game. Defenses seemed like they just kind of put the clamps down on both offenses heading into that matchup. And what we were supposed to do were Rondale Moore in that scenario. We know the targets should be there because it's not like DeAndre Hopkins is commanding even more targets than Marquise Brown was. That's not the case. But what we got to see is Rondale Moore being able to be effective with the ball in his hands after the catch. And we'll see. And that's here to stay with the new Arizona Cardinal offense. On the flip side, we go to Minnesota side of the ball. What about Kirk Cousins? Now, if you look at his passing stats, 232 yards and two touchdowns, thinking to yourself, like, okay, it's okay because he didn't have an interception. But what you forget to look at is the fact that he had a rushing touchdown in this game for 17 yards. I'm sitting there and I'm watching this action happen live, and I'm just, I see him. He's running outside. I'm just like, oh, he's going to get hit. He's going to get hit. He's going to get hit. And then suddenly, out of nowhere, he's actually able to turn the corner and get a really great-looking rushing touchdown. Absolutely tremendous. And you know what? If you've had Kirk Cousins, that's the type of play that kind of wakes him up, usually out of a slump, and puts him into a hot streak when he gets running around and gets hit a little bit and is able to pick up a touchdown on the ground. You'll see that's when Kirk Cousins typically picks up his offense to quite a different standard than what we've seen to this point, too. Uh, what about Dalvin Cook? He's been absolutely tremendous. 20 carries, 111 yards. He had a rushing touchdown in this game. Six targets, five catches, 30 yards through the air. Dalvin Cook is just a monster to be reckoned with. And Justin Jefferson, I know he only had six catches, 98 yards, and People who own Jefferson are never satisfied with a stat line that is six catches and 98 yards. But here's where I would offer up some pushback to those people. And that is, look, Jefferson is an elite wide receiver one. And if sometimes the matchup's just not there, instead of forcing me the ball come hell or high water, we actually have the ability and the desire to be able to spread it out where need be. Yes, of course, Justin Jefferson is the guy, needs to be the guy moving forward for this Vikings offense to be able to be what you want it to be. But there are other options is all I'm saying out there for you. What about when we move into the Chicago-Dallas Cowboy game? So the Cowboys win this game by 20, 49 to 29. This wound up being a much higher scoring game than I was frankly anticipating. I wasn't sure if the Bears would even be able to score. But as we talked about, Justin Fields was a QB thumper, our number three thumper of the week. And my note here for him is like, look, he's becoming fantasy relevant along with Darnell Mooney. And, you know, it's pretty much one and the same here. You need Justin Fields. I'm sorry, Jalen Hurts. Excuse me. Wow, that was way off. You need Justin Fields to be able to be the best quarterback he can be in order for Darnell Mooney to be a decent number three wide receiver. And that has been the case already through two weeks. I have seen Justin Fields make more reads over the past two weeks than he has in his entire career. If this trend continues, 
we'll start to talk about Darnell Mooney and Justin Fields as real legitimate fantasy foot fantasy football relevant players. What about Cleo Herbert though? So look, he had 16 carries for 99 yards and a touchdown, but that was with David Montgomery having 15 carries for 53 yards. Now, yes, Dale Montgomery continues to lead the way when it comes to the pass catching aspect. Three targets, three catches, 22 yards out of Dave Montgomery. Khalil Herbert was not even involved in the passing aspect of it. But if this is an indication of anything we've seen over the past couple of weeks, Herbert was starting to chip away, chip away, chip away at David Montgomery's workload. Now, all of a sudden, we might find ourselves on the other side where Khalil Herbert is going to be leading the way as far as being the primary ball carrier. Maybe David Montgomery becomes the more change of pace back with the pass-catching duties. It remains to be seen. I think this is more likely a committee to stay, but Khalil Herbert, as a result, does have standalone flex value the rest of the way. What about the Dallas Cowboys here? So the offense finally looked alive in this matchup, something we had not seen them beat in a very, very long time. Frank, and they haven't been alive for the entire 2022 season. That has not been a thing, even the very first week where they went ballistic. No, they, they've not been alive in the 2022 season whatsoever. Dak Prescott here, though, he does tack on 250 yards and two touchdowns with one interception. Final look decent. And here's the other key. Got going on the ground, 34 yards on the ground, and picked up a rushing touchdown we talk about this all the time. Dax Prescott, in order for him to be the wide receiver one that we all want him to be, he needs to rush for four to five touchdowns. That's been his secret ingredient in years past and we'll be able to finish within that range. That's what he needs to do. And he finally looked like Dak Prescott, frankly, within this game. But the big headline, I will not deny, is all the people who've had Tony Pollard waiting for the opportunity for Zika Elliott to get hurt and move out the way. Now, the only cold water that I can throw on that for this week is just that, all right, look, Zeke, hyperextended knee, unlikely, in my opinion, that he misses more than two games. And with them having the bye week this week, upcoming in week nine, very good chance he'll be back in week 10 and relegating Tony Pollard back to the role that he had. But at least in his absence, Tony Pollard showed you why you've been so excited to have him, why you've been waiting and hoping that Ezekiel Elliott would move out the way at some point soon because Tony Pollard goes for 14 carries, 131 yards, and three touchdowns on the ground. The only tacked on one catch for 16 yards to the air, but who cares at that point when you're riding the hat trick? Tony Pollard was absolutely incredible. He could not be stopped this week against the Chicago Bears. And you know what? C.D. Lamb was good too. Finally... Finally, the guy gets into the end zone. That been something that I wasn't sure was ever going to happen again. Five catches, 77 yards, and seven targets. And Dalton Schultz, CD, um, Dak Prescott, that is, did a very, very good job of making sure he got his two guys involved. You got CeeDee Lamb over the top. He had Dalton Schultz underneath. Six catches, 74 yards, on seven targets. Everyone else be damned. That is the offense. Running the ball with whoever's healthy with Zika Elliott and Tony Pollard and Dak Prescott deciding between either Dalton Schultz or CeeDee Lamb with who he wants to throw the ball to. I feel like that is the epitome of watching these guys play and how you know it is over between those two. What about the Miami Dolphins and the Detroit Lions? So we got the Dolphins up here. We talked about Tua Tagovailoa. He's absolutely fantastic, of course. And Hill and Waddle, look, they flat out, they can't be stopped. We talked about Tyreek Hill during our wide receiver thumper. Jalen Waddle, though, eight catches, 106 yards, and two passing to or receiving touchdowns to nine targets here in this game. These guys have been top 10 receivers the whole way here to this point of the season. They'll continue to be ranked as top 10 receivers the rest of the way, regardless of what's going on with the Miami Dolphins. So they're just that good, not just within this offense and getting the volume that they have been receiving, which has been tremendous, but also because of what they can do in yards after the catch. So even they're not set up in the best position, they just have the ability to be able to break them at any given moment. What about Raheem Mostert, though? So that was a little bit disappointing. You're expecting a big game against the Detroit Lions, and it's not like he was inefficient. Still 4.6 yards a carry, 
but only 14 carries and 64 yards on the ground and was only allowed one catch for three yards with one target through the air. The only silver lining I can offer you is that he continues to dominate the backfield touches well ahead of Chase Edmonds. Nobody else is emerging. So that's the one silver line that I can't offer you when it comes to to Raheem Moster. But what about the Detroit Lions on their side of the ball? Well, DeAndre Swift, he scored, but he didn't do much else outside of that. Now, I don't know whether he's still banged up, whether he's still trying to get his legs out from under him. He's still trying to get in conditioning shape. Whatever the case may be, the fact is this. DeAndre Swift is in a guy is a guy who's in a platoon situation with a Jamal Williams who has shown that he can be very effective and very much a clincher and a finisher at times when you need him to be. Now I don't know if that's what they're looking at, but look look at Jamal Williams, 10 carries, 53 yards and two rushing touchdowns. He also tacks on three catches and 23 yards of the air. He's just a great quality handcuff who should only be relegated to a handcuff, but we'll have to see exactly what's going on with DeAndre Swift moving forward. And what about Anmon Ross St. Brown? Look, not a bad stat line here by any stretch of the mean. Seven receptions, 69 yards, and 10 targets. If you're in full-point PPR, he already outscored everybody in his team. But sometimes you're not. Sometimes you're half-point. Sometimes you're standard. And sometimes, in general, you're just trying to get the right receiver on what's already a bad offense to begin with. The fact that he had 10 targets and the second most targeted pass catcher was Josh Reynolds at six and only had two catches and 14 yards during those six targets. Yeah, I think we're well ahead of the game here with St. Brown and what they're able to do and get him going. So I'm not worried about that. And Jared Goff, just one quick and final note on him. Look, yes, he very much a situation in which he's very better at home, not on the road. That's where you need him to be. All right, let's move on here. Let's move on to the New England Patriots and the New York Giants. Oh, man. Oh, man. So, okay. Mac Jones gets to start, and he actually finished the game. They didn't pull him at any point in time for Bailey Zappi, something we're kind of keep our eyes on. And he did exactly what I expected him to do. I said, look, hey, Mac Jones plays. I expect Jacoby Myers to score a touchdown at some point. This weekend is exactly what he did. 12 targets, 9 catches, 60 yards. But don't forget Ramondre Stevenson now. 7 catches and 72 yards on 8 targets. Oh, by the way, he led the backfield in carries too. 16 carries, 71 yards. Damian Harris was not efficient on his 11 carries. Nobody else comes close to Ramondre Stevenson. And as I said to Chris during the MD's Monstars episode, If you can become the lone running back in a Patriots backfield, you've accomplished something special because that's something no one has been able to do since Corey Dillon in the late 2000s. What about the Jets side of the ball? So they make this big trade for James Robinson to help offset the loss that is Brees Hall. But clearly, it offset absolutely nothing. Michael Carter had seven carries for 26 yards, 3.7 yards carry. James Robinson had five carries for 17 yards, 3.4 yards a carry. Nobody could get going in the ground game and neither one really contributed much, if at all, in the receiving game to boot. And that's kind of the key point here too. Yes, I know Michael Carter had seven targets and he had four catches and he had 35 yards, but it was the most mediocre seven targets for four catches and 35 yards you're ever going to see in your life. And that's why we are where we are right now when examining these teams. At least Garrett Wilson was able to show up. He got six catches for seven targets and 115 yards. Nothing as far as touchdown scores. All of a sudden, he actually looked like a lead receiver. But what was funny enough, no Corey Davis. He had been the squeaky wheel all week long, and yet the Jets turned around and said, you know what, Elijah Moore? We still don't really want you to be part of the game plan here. So that's why you're going to be a one target for zero catch and zero yards type of player on our bench that we have no idea what to do with because there's no way in hell he should be on the bench as a second round pick with his kind of talent. And yet here we are. So something to kind of keep your mind on when we move forward, especially with the draft deadline in the NFL being November 1st, which is this Tuesday. Hey, what about the Carolina Panthers and the Atlanta Falcons? All right, here we go. 
let's figure it out. Last week, you know, we said maybe it's always a mirage. Maybe it was the Carolina Super Bowl. Is PJ Walker really an NFL quarterback? And my response to that has been typically no, 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 he's not. And while you look at his box score and say, oh, 317 yards, he had a touchdown interception. Okay, like not terrible, right? But then you look at 19 of 36, like literally 51% of his passes were actually completed. And that's the kind of ratios that we cannot afford to be able to deal with at all on our end. Hey, what about Dante Foreman? Dante Foreman. It looks like an absolute stud. 26 carries, 118 yards, gets three rushing touchdowns. I know technically speaking, when they were both healthy, Chuba Hubbard was the guy leading the way. He had more carries in the first three quarters of the game and a few more routes run to go along with it. The problem was this. Uh, yeah, he is supposed to be second fiddle to Chuba Hubbard when Chuba Hubbard comes back and he's healthy. So my question is going to be this. After what he did against Tampa Bay at the end of the game and what he was able to do throughout the matchup here against the Atlanta Falcons, are the Carolina Panthers really going to turn around, look at Chuba Hubbard and say, okay, we're back to you leading the way in the backfield with Dante Foreman in a committee situation, but ultimately not doing anything more than just spelling you? Is that really where we are now with Dante Foreman in this performance? That's something that remains to be seen. That's something I'll be keeping my eye out on. And of course, where, who would we be if we did not mention DJ Moore with the big blow-up game? Six catches, 152 yards, and a touchdown. And, of course, the big one coming on the 62-yard touchdown bomb that he caught during the end, which to that point had only been about five or four catches for 90-something yards. An okay floor day, but not the day you're looking for when you leave out on a day like this when there's touchdowns left and right all over the place. That's what we wound up being left with. Here, what about the Atlanta Falcons side of the ball? So we talked about Kyle Pitts. He was one of our tight end thumpers. He finally got going, not only to get in the end zone, but he actually had some some receptions and some yards to show for it too. Absolutely incredible. And what you've been looking for, if you played Tal Algier, well, at least he came through for you in a receiving touchdown fashion. Not exactly how I imagined Tal Algier getting involved, but we'll take it. Anyway, frankly, you can freaking get it. And Drake London, look, here's the unfortunate part. If Marcus Mariota finally, for the first time in a month, throws the ball over 20 times, he goes 28 pass attempts in this game. It still took Kyle Pitts getting targeted nine times to be able to do anything with himself with the production. If you're going to sit there with, like, if you're Drake London, five catches, four, uh, five targets, excuse me, four catches, 31 yards for a guy who's, like, leaving the, you know, out back door poker table alone, in Philip Walker, I'm sorry, in, in Marcus Mariota, who finally goes over 20 pass attempts. I don't know what kind of volume you're just going to see on a weekend, week out basis. That's why Drake Lennon was outside my top 36 and just frankly will continue to be. It's either one guy or it's absolutely nobody at all. And while it was one guy, it's, as far as Drake Lennon goes in the beginning of the season, that has seemingly shifted since this season has wore on. So let's move on here to the Raiders and the New Orleans Saints. The Raiders offense, there's not much to talk about here. Look, their offense was just completely and utterly just shut down in this game. I mean, Mac Hollins, maybe seven catches, 64 yards. That's what you're going to hang your hat on. Foss Moreau had six catches for 31 yards on nine targets in the absence of Darren Waller. Maybe you want to hang your hat on that. I don't know. But here's what I will say. In a game in which Devontae Adams could barely get involved, in a game in which Darren Waller was not even on the field, Hunter Renfro still could not come through. Two targets, one catch, six yards. It's just not going to happen for him. On the New Orleans Saints side of the ball, I don't really want to get wrapped up in too much else outside of the fact that Alvin Kamara, who is our number one running back thumper on the week, just deserves all the bit of the credit. Finally, Taysom Hill didn't steal all the work from him in the red zone and allowed Alvin Kamara to score, who was trying to make up for lost ground by getting three touchdowns in this game. It's not like he was like, oh, yeah, I finally got one. No, no, no. He was trying to get caught up for the season by getting three all-in-one matchup. Here's the one thing I definitely want to make sure I give the Saints credit for. Last week, I talked about how I was pissed off the way they were using Alvin Kamara. They weren't getting him involved early in matchups in the passing game. And yet that changed course in this matchup here. Alvin Kamara gets nine catches in 10 targets and actually was involved early on in this matchup. So that 
was a big factor throughout this game. Hey, let's move on to the Tennessee Titans and the Houston Texans. Yeah, not a ton to go over here. Tennessee, look, Derrick Henry, he's absolutely a monster. He was a monster on our monster episode early on Sunday afternoon. 32 carries and 219 yards and two touchdowns. There's just not much else to go around. Oh, by the way, the Tennessee Titans had to start Malik Willis, so you knew they were going to lean on Derrick Henry heading into this matchup. He only attempted 10 pass attempts, completed six of them, Two of them were to Robert Woods on two targets. Look, frankly, I don't know when or if you're ever going to be comfortable starting a Tennessee Titan wide receiver, regardless of who the quarterback is. What about the Houston side of the ball? So Damian Pierce has been a high-end RB2 for everybody for a while now. And in this game, while he only had a 2.3 yards per carry average, because the Titans actually did a very good job holding him in check, he did get a receiving touchdown to balance out his day. So ultimately... Not going to be the reason why you lose regardless. Here's one thing that made me really upset. So Brandon Cooks, while he goes down as the lead receiver, because he had four catches and 73 yards, the fact that he had six only six targets in a game which Houston was trailing the entire majority of the game for the last three quarters of this matchup, they were trailing, and he could not get Brandon Cooks the ball. That is an absolute dud. That's a disaster. That's ridiculous, especially with Nico Collins out. That's the one thing that makes me fired up about this game in particular. But let's move on to our 4 o'clock matchup. So we got the Giants and the Seattle Seahawks and Barkley. Saquon Barkley just continues to find a way. Look, it wasn't pretty. 2.7 yards on the ground. He only tacked on nine yards through the air. But what does he do? Oh, that's right. He scores the touchdown. So ultimately, you wind up being okay with Saquon Barkley and his production this week. And then Wandell Robinson, he also disappointed. So Daniel Jones wasn't good. And that, of course, is, is part of it. But the Seattle Seahawks have been terrible against slot wide receivers. So for Wandell Robinson to be only able to walk away with three targets, two catches, and 15 yards, it makes yourself scratch your head going like, well, why was Darius Slayton able to get six targets and five catches and 66 yards if he's not nearly the talent that you're supposed to be? Hmm, that's definitely a question mark and a question mark for this show for another day. But for now, I'm trying to stick with the guys that got them there and are seeing the most volume on a consistent basis. And that's what we have the notes for the New York Giants. What about the Seattle Seahawks? DK Metcalf, man, he's just he's ridiculous. He shouldn't even been out there playing in this game. And not only does he play in this game, but he performs well. He leads the team with 10 targets. He gets six catches. He gets 55 yards. He scores a touchdown. DK Metcalf is an absolute freak with that injury, especially to be able to put up those kind of numbers. And, and speaking of guys trying to find a way, what about Kenneth Walker? He wasn't having a particularly good game either. 2.8 yards per carry, only had one catch for a yard in the passing game. It almost looked like he was about to get left out, and then suddenly he breaks one, gets a touchdown in this game to save his day, but something to kind of keep your mind for when it comes to Kenneth Walker. And then Geno Smith. So Geno Smith, while from, he, from from an NFL standpoint, he's been perfectly fine and hasn't really slipped off a cliff and hasn't been a guy that's declined in any kind of capacity. From a fantasy standpoint, that's exactly the opposite. And I brought this up a few weeks ago, and I was like, look, Geno Smith right now is throwing the ball about 30 times a game. That's what Russell Wilson used to do. And here was the problem. Eventually, teams caught up with that, and you had to actually do it by volume. And when it came down to actually throwing the ball with volume, you had absolutely no idea how to actually move the chain. So I don't know if this changes anytime soon. I think Geno is what he is. He's going to throw the ball between 30 to 34 times. It's up to the defense, up to us, whether or not we're going to lay down some foundation to stop that or not, but you know what? Geno Smith has been falling off as of late. What about we move on here to the Washington Commanders and Indianapolis Colts? What about Antonio Gibson? So he's pushing JD McKissick aside here, man. Like JD McKissick, I know he ultimately had five targets compared to Antonio Gibson's seven. But Gibson, he's just he's getting a little bit of the carries, he's getting a little bit of the receptions, and it's just enough to be like, you know what, McKissick, move aside. You're not as dynamic of a talent as Antonio Gibson is anyway. Seven targets, seven catches, 58 yards, attacks on a touchdown. That's all through the air. Seven carries for 19 yards on the ground. 
Antonio Gibson getting to be more of a utilized tool now that he's not the starting running back. I don't know why it took to him not being the starting running back for the Washington Commanders to allow him to be the Swiss Army blade. He was always supposed to be in the first place, but that is where we are now. What about the Colts side of the ball? Sam Ellinger finally gets his first start as an NFL quarterback with Matt Ryan on the bench, and frankly, it looks very much like a Matt Ryan line. 201 yards, not much to show for it. The only good news I can give you guys in the passing game is that if you've had Michael Pittman, well, guess what? He was targeted nine times in this matchup, seven catches, 53 yards. Obviously, nothing big, nothing potent, nothing impressive, but what you do like is like, okay, at least I know that when it comes to Michael Pittman, I know this backup quarterback is at least going to single him out to maintain his fantasy value, especially when you're talking about in full point PPR league. So keep that in mind too. And then Jonathan Taylor, he wound up on our running back bummer list this week. He is somebody who is held in check in this matchup, but is looking to bust out. I'm telling you right now, 4.8 yards to carry. This is a guy who's looking for his opportunity to really bust out on a home turf situation. I think that is going to be coming very, very, very soon. What about the San Francisco 49ers and the Los Angeles Rams? So the 49ers continuing their dominance over the Los Angeles Rams when it comes to the regular season games, winning this game 31 to 14. Frankly, it was never in question. It was never really truly in contest. We'll start on the San Francisco side of the ball. So we already talked about McCaffrey during the thumper section. He can run, he can pass, he can catch. It's just been absolutely phenomenal what he's been able to do. 5.2 yards carry behind this team. They get the bye week. If he wasn't already immersed into this offense, well, he's really going to be immersed into it now. And the big thing I want to point out is for all these people out there, all these analytic guys or anybody really in general kept talking about, well, Chris McCaffrey is a downgrade for fantasy football purposes because he's leaving Carolina. He won't be featured and he won't get the same kind of attention in the passing game as he did in Carolina. Now he will in San Francisco. And what I kept saying, I was like, look, I don't care what happens as far as his volume in the passing game. He's the lead running back, the San Francisco 49ers, where their offense is dictated by how well their running game does in the first place. And boy, oh boy, does McCaffrey fit this system all too well. And by the way, eight catches on nine targets, pretty sure the volume in the passing game Still very much there. Maybe, just maybe, because of his presence, Jimmy Garoppolo decided, hey, you know what? I'll throw it to the running back more because it's Christian freaking McCaffrey. And let's stop pretending that because of his, let's stop pretending that he was never going to get those targets just because it was the San Francisco 49ers. Players of different upper echelon talents tend to change what schematic tendencies have been in years past. FYI. Oh, and Brandon Ayuk, by the way in a very good place in the absence of Debo Samuel. Not that he hasn't been good even with Debo on the field as of late, but six catches, 81 yards, and a touchdown on six targets. He looks like a guy who's just ready to take that next step. And we don't know exactly when Debo will be healthy coming off that hamstring injury, but they do have the bye week next week. So keep that in mind, too. When we go to the Rams here, my Lord, did Matthew Stafford look absolutely awesome awful 187 yards he had one touchdown just played an uber conservative tried to get cooper cup whenever he could who had eight catches on 12 targets 79 yards with that one touchdown he got banged up in this game we're still awaiting as of this moment of recording this show what the ankle injury is as soon as we know you'll know on social media at belly up mdff showing what kind of indications we have to take from there but for now Cooper Cup, every bit the man you want him to be coming off the bye. And Matthew Stafford, though, he's not opening up the door for guys like Allen Robinson or anybody, frankly, who comes to that running game because nobody has been efficient. I don't think somebody suddenly will be, even with the return of Williams, unless that offensive line has a sudden and drastic upgrade, which I'm not anticipating be able to happening to this point. The other thing I want to point out the Rams, though, is that the running back rotation is an absolute nightmare, and it makes no freaking sense whatsoever. I know Darrell Henderson was, was a little bit under the weather this week, and I don't know that that had anything to do with it or not, but whenever he did have the ball in his hands, he looked okay to me. Why in the hell is Ronnie Rivers getting eight carries in this game when Darrell Henderson's getting four? Who the hell 
is Ronnie Rivers. Why is he getting four targets for four catches and 15 yards while Darrell Henderson's getting half of that? Who in the hell is Ronnie Rivers? Look, what this tells me is that flat out, when Kyron Williams comes back, there's a real chance he could overtake this role because they're looking for somebody to do that, and it's clearly not Darrell Henderson to do that. So maybe it will be Kyron Williams upon his return, who's wildly available on IR as of right now. Okay, that does it for our in-game notes. That does it for our Sunday Funday recap. I hope you guys all enjoyed the show. We'll be back tomorrow night at 10 p.m. Eastern for the primetime recap, our Heroes and Zeros, and our waiver Wire Specials of the week heading into week nine. So make sure you guys check that out on our YouTube channel. Subscribe so you always get notified when we have new content available. Download us on the Foxy Network app. When you go to your LG, Samsung, Roku, or Amazon Fire TV devices and find us on the go when you download us on your favorite podcast app and give us a five-star review to greatly help out the show. Guys, we'll be seeing you real soon starting like tomorrow night at 10 p.m. Eastern. So make sure you find us then and have a good night tonight. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team, team Ready. ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.